The Talk of the Street is brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today. Uh, right, okay. Um, even if it was for all the money in the world, what thing would you never do? Ooh, um, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're half rice, half chips these days, aren't you? After your little night of patch with Paula. Uh, do you mind? My daughter's sat there. Moving on. Maria, your turn, truth or dare. Mm. Welcome to episode 95 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that between Tim's dad in the bath, Tim's dad with an escort, and then Tim's dad in the shower, thinks that's more thinking about Tim's dad's bits than I'd be prepared for. I'm Gavin. And I'm nauseous. You're nauseous? After that paragraph, yeah. Yes, after that paragraph. (laughs) Most definitely so. My headphones aren't working properly. They're not? I can only hear myself in one ear. Oh. This is going to be weird. This is already weird. <laughs> it's another Saturday morning podcast, folks. Yeah. The world is weird. Right. It's, it's, just, it's just the way things are now. Typically, we talk about our week for like <laughs> five minutes or whatever, but I we don't... We can still do that. I don't really think we should. Because everyone's in the same boat. Well, you know, sometimes it's comforting to hear that people that you listen to are in the same boat you are in, so... It's been interesting, uh, kind of trying to accommodate two people working from home all week long <laughs> and, and two children, you know, quote, end quote, homeschooling, <laughs> which is difficult. We're not calling it that, are we? <clears throat> no, not really. Because it's really hard to homeschool when you're also working during the day. So, you know, if, Plus if you're, you're not a teacher, if you're if you're out there and and, and, and you're and you're feeling like you should be doing better, and, and your kids are just sitting and watching Disney Plus all all week long, it's okay. It's all right to <laughs> to let some things go. Let them go. Should education be one of those things that we let go? Well. I think for week one, yeah. Although the kids did get educated, they have been doing their schoolwork, but they've also been doing some some housework as well, and then taking breaks. So, and again, we have to work during the day. So, and that's fun too, because <laughs> I almost gave Ryan a show yesterday <laughs> when you were teleconferencing with her. I was about ready to come in wearing just a towel and and just just to peep in and say, hey, you know, how's it going? Do you need anything? Because I was going to be going to the to the post office. And then I realized that that you were speaking to that Ryan's head was 
over there on, on that mountain area. I'm like, nope, nope. I'm going to back out slowly before anybody notices me. And then I yelled at Stelly. I was like, you were just in there showing him your cat scratch. Why did you tell me he was teleconferencing? Right. So it's it's been an adjustment and it's been a huge adjustment for me because I'm used to being here all by myself during the day and not having to wear pants. And now I have to wear pants. I have a cube that is much, much smaller than this room. <clears throat> but over the week, this room has felt much, much smaller than my cube. Well, your cube is in a big, large open room. Mm-hmm. That, with other know, people. With other people. I mean, you do have three people here and four cats and a dog. To keep you company. Mm. Are you saying are you saying your coworkers <laughs> are better company than your wife? It's different company. It is different company. I I, I speak as someone who typically has no company. <laughs> yeah, but it seems to suit you quite nicely, but it does. It drives me crazy. Climbing the walls a little bit. <laughs> well, you've been going out to get take out a couple of times a week done that twice yeah to help our uh, local businesses and also to get yourself out of the house you didn't want to go for a hike though when we went to the park to to go on a hike and we oh went. i wasn't asked and i was working and i was busy no but when the first day when i said i was going to do that you were like nope oh, don't think i don't want to do that yeah no yeah. 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 <sighs> and other noises yeah yeah we're trying to at least Get outside once a day in, in some capacity. Because the dog needs to poop. So Right, yeah. He can't poop in the house. Everybody else can poop in the house but the dog. Uh, yeah. I don't think we can litter box train him at this rate. I don't think you can litter box train a dog. No. That's that's cats. <laughs> <laughs> or to use the toilet. That's humans. This is podcast gold, by the way. Yeah. Well, you know, again... Sometimes it's just nice to hear a, a familiar a familiar voice in in times of trouble. Yes. Yeah, but and at least at least we're not flooding people's feeds with with uh, re-releases of of old podcasts. Oh, we're not doing that yet. No. <laughs> stuff, you sh- stuff you should know is is doing that, and I understand <sighs> that that they're trying to be nice, but for somebody who has you know a set a set pattern of listen to podcasts, listen to my book on tape, watch TV or read books or or do other things. It just, it messes with my, it messes with my rhythm. I don't want our stuff you should know on a Monday or a Friday. No. Because I'm, I'm used to not having it. Right. Yeah. And so when things are different from routine, it can be unsettling. <laughs> I listen to stuff you should know when I get up. Right. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and on a Tuesday and a Thursday, I'm still listening to it, driving to work. Right. On Wednesday, it's finished before I leave because it's the short stuff. Right. So when it happens on a Friday, well, I'm listening to something else on Friday, typically right, yeah. Richard Herring or yes. Adam Buxton or something. Right, yes. So n- n- now I'm stressed out <laughs> when I'm going to get time to listen to this and and now stuff you should know. Right, yes. And it's stressful because there are 20 of them <laughs> dropping at a time. Right. Is it as many as that? Ah, uh, yes. It's, you know, it's like uh, those celebrities. No, I don't all, think it was as many as that. All, all getting together to sing Imagine or, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger doing a um, 
a PSA from his hot tub. It's well-meaning, but it's not well thought through. <laughs> All that can get to fuck, basically. <laughs> All I need is podcasts to stick to their schedule. And for Glenn Phillips, every now and again, to do a little free concert from his kitchen. Right. Which he's been doing for the past, I don't know, I think he did three last week. Yeah. Just, just on for half an hour. Quite, quite a few people are doing And that's... That's nice. I like I like the little wee free concerts, and I like things like Mo Willems, um, teaching kids to draw on on YouTube now a few times a week. That's nice, and I, I like the fact that Neil Gaiman has released an awful lot of of his work for for free and stuff. Those things are nice, but I really don't need to hear Gal Gadot sing about no heaven. <laughs> It's just a weird song to choose. Like, let's let's comfort the world with this song about <laughs> no heaven and no possessions, even though we're all really rich and have really big houses where we're <laughs> right. we, and possessions to get us through this. Eh, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Anyway, folks, send us your toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're going to have a situation here in a couple of weeks. <laughs> like, don't Plenty of loose socks. Oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, that might be the new normal. Right, yeah. But we will wash them. We won't flush them. Yes. Don't flush your socks, folks. Or flushable wipes. Flushable wipes are not flushable. Then why are they called flushable wipes then? False advertising. Huh. Because you can flush them, but then they, they clog the pipes. Oh, and so stuff. there's a difference between. Can you or should you? Right. Okay. So you can, but you yeah. should. Okay. Right. Uh, shall we preamble, my dear? See, we got some we got some good stuff out of that. No, we didn't. That was <laughs> awful. Yes, please. Uh, did I say apocalyptic Corey news last week? I think I did. Give yeah. me some of that viral Corey news. <laughs> Due to the coronavirus outbreak, ITV will trim Corey down to three episodes a week. So things will be stretched out and stuff. So don't get freaked out if the Easter episode happens two weeks after Easter or people are acting normal in the rovers and shaking hands and stuff. They filmed it before all of this started. So don't worry about it. I do have to say, as cute as the whole um, Paul and and uh, Summer handshake thing was, it did make me cringe a little bit. I was like, no, 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 don't touch hands. Don't touch hands. That, that never crossed my mind. What's going to be interesting here, though, is that the concept of tomorrow is going to change. Yes. Ooh. Tomorrow might actually mean by the end of the week. Right. <laughs> So if somebody says tomorrow on a Monday episode, mm-hmm. the second half of that Monday episode will be on Wednesday. Right. And then the first half of the Wednesday episode will be on Friday, Friday which yeah. is when the tomorrow, that might actually not happen until the next Monday. Right. Yeah. So tomorrow might equal next week. Next week. Yes. Wow. <clears throat> this is also going to mean that our show is going to be kind of halved yeah, oh my notes are going to be halved anyway it'll be it'll be easier to get through 
and less of Tim's dad, and, and that's that's good for everyone. Now this is starting from March thirtieth, but next week, I believe there's no Corey on Friday because uh-huh. there was a uh, football match scheduled. Right. There was an England game yeah. that's supposed to be televised, and that's been cancelled, obviously. And and apparently we don't get it because it's not on the Brit Box. But apparently, before the show, if you watch it on ITV, there's like an announcer guy that says. You know, these things were filmed before. You're going to see people in a pub. Please don't go to the pub. Don't go to the pub. (laughs) You'll see people in a pub. Don't go to the pub. Right. (laughs) Which is funny. Production will continue of the soap with limited cast and crew on set at any given time. And, you know, I'm assuming that they're going to be standing six feet away from one another. So don't expect any love scenes or huge fights in the coming months. The decision to continue was made even as production of other shows like EastEnders have come to a complete halt. Oh, EastEnders have stopped completely? EastEnders has stopped completely. A number of shows have stopped completely. Wow. I don't know about uh, doctors and casualty and stuff. And I don't know if this has begun to happen in the UK yet, but here in America, doctor shows have begun to donate masks and gloves to hospitals. (laughs) Because hospitals are out and are kind of desperate for the the masks and stuff. In fact, there's like my sister, who is a nurse, has has requested that I go grab some fabric and start sewing up some <laughs> some masks for her for her birthday. Happy birthday, Christine! Um, Doesn't listen to this. No, but still, <laughs> she's a nurse and and she's doing. She's doing good work in this time of crisis. And Absolutely. Should be applauded as all nurses and postal workers and doctors and grocery store attendants and gas station attendants and truck drivers should be during this time. Huh, sorry. <laughs> Finally. Keep, keeping it light. <laughs> Finally, sad news. <laughs> Kenny, Kenny Rogers died. Yeah, Kenny Rogers was at a quarry though, but oh, that's right. it it's Oh. I know Kenny, that's gonna Kenny sad, Rogers is, was like a huge part of my childhood. Cause, was it? Yes. Cuz my parents loved Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton doing Islands in the Stream and stuff and I grew up listening to The Gambler and oh. I'm sure there are other songs that we, we can't name at the moment. Uh, I just I don't want to. Finally, sad news is Roy Hudd, who played Archie Shuttleworth on the show, has passed away at the age of 83 after a very short illness, which the family is not making known what that illness was. That's weird. So we're not going to ask. Well, in this case. Fans will remember that the character Archie died last year, leaving Audrey, Money, her grandsons, then stole. (laughs) But that's all water under the bridge now. Yes. We're all best of friends again. Yes. So at, at least Corey doesn't have to abruptly kill off a character because they already did before he died. So well done, Corey. Yeah, it had been the show for I'm, years. I'm really kind of, I'm really kind of, yeah, and apparently that was his choice, that they wanted to make him a per- permanent character and he decided against it because he still wanted to tour and do stand-up and stuff. Yeah, he... He's a kind of vaudevillian yes. personality. No one, no one I don't think was quite sure what Roy Hudd did. <laughs> he just kind of did everything. Right. 
So he'd be on to tell a few jokes, he'd sing a song or kind of dance about or just be there. He seemed a lovely guy. Yeah. I was watching the episode where Richard Hillman drives the Platts into the canal, <laughs> which is on the YouTubes. And mm-hmm. I saw, saw the late well, Mr. Hud. Yes. He was in some of the rover scenes <clears throat> during that. It was quite funny seeing a younger <laughs> Kev and a younger... Uh, Sally. Uh, Gail. Gail. David <laughs> was a, just a boy and Sarah was... She must have been about 15 or 16 or something mm-hmm. like that. It was good stuff. Well worth a watch. But the episode ends with the car going into the canal. Right. And then the next episode isn't on. <laughs> so you, you don't kind of officially find out what happens next. <gasps> oh, no. I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of worried about the fact that production will go on, considering how many people over the age of 60. I think those people have been temporarily written out. Oh, well, that's like more than half the cast. <laughs> <laughs> so is it going to be? It's going to be David and. Nick oh, listen, let's and not Sally. name it everyone that's under seventy. <laughs> <laughs> under sixty, um, and that's quite news. Our mailbag. Hello, talk of the street. What's says up? Jamie from Nashville. Nashville. I was first introduced to Corey in 2010 when I was working in London, also Hollyoaks, but was told that's embarrassing. Yeah, it is a little bit. Is it? Mm, I got back to the US later that year and wasn't able to tune into the street anymore. It was Aww. very sad. Recently, I got the Brit Box and my life is much better. I discovered your podcast last week and y'all are amazing. And Aww. They spell y'all the way that you spell y'all. Y-A apostrophe L-L. Which is the wrong way. No, that's the correct way. No, I am constantly laughing and nodding in agreement with your comments. I have a few questions for my North American Corey experts. I'm only able to go back to the start of the year to view my uh, with BritBox, but I need more. How do you access historic episodes? You too. Uh, we, we can on BritBox. We no. can, though, on if you have a VPN, such as Hola. Hola. You can watch ITV Player and BBC iPlayer. Through that, I think it's like five bucks a month or something. Hmm. I think it's kind of questionable in terms of legality. So, Hola. I'm, so I'm going to stop talking. Hola. There. It's it's more uh, it's more legal than Tunnel Bear was. Remember Tunnel Bear? No, it's exactly the same as Tunnel Bear. Is it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Thank you for hating Tim's dad as much as I do. <laughs> Your new Nashville fan, Jamie. That was a lovely email to get this week. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. All lovely emails are appreciated. <sighs> Keeping it light. Hindsight Corner. Uh, bloop, 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 bloop. Now, Christy did try to help, but came up with as much info as I did with regards to the street address of the rovers. Uh-huh. Closest we can both figure is that the rovers return, that the address is the rovers return Coronation Street, Weatherfield. Hmm. We both kind of toyed with the idea that it might be on Rosamond Street, but the doors are on Coronation Street, and it would just be weird if the rovers return wasn't officially on Coronation Street. Hmm. But it goes pub, number one, number three. That's how it goes. Right. So what's the number of the pub is the question. And we added ITV Corey in this conversation and they didn't reply. No, of course not. Of course not. Welcome, welcome, welcome. 
Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Not John Oliver. John Oliver was kind of disturbing this past week because... <coughs> it was like kind of remain indoors <laughs> <laughs> last week Right, tonight. yeah, it was just like he was in a different studio because his studio had been shut down because of somebody catching the coronavirus in that studio and it was just I, a white screen. No, it didn't need to be. It didn't need to be. No, they could they have put something behind green, him. They could have green screened that if they wanted to, but they didn't want to. And I kind of don't like that about that episode. Because mm. they deliberately tried to make it as weird as possible. Well, it's weird times. Maybe they just didn't want to sugarcoat the fact that we are living in weird, bizarre times. And unsettling times. But don't go out of your way. Don't go out of your way to make it weird. Eh. If it's weird, then it's weird. But don't go out of your way to make it weird if it doesn't have to be. Mm. So, yeah. Bit of a shit bag there, John Oliver. Like, <gasps> didn't, didn't appreciate that. Blasphemy. Anyway, just enough time to quickly talk about <laughs> ending disaster. Oh no! <laughs> this is this was the week that the roof collapse happened. Yes, this was the much anticipated roof collapse week. Indeed, we recorded this one on a Thursday night for a wee change. Ooh, <clears throat> why was that? There must have there must have been no Corey on on Friday. I was Gavin, and you loved me. Oh, don't know why. Still do. Oh well, still yeah, do. There we go. <laughs> the week was essentially Kate and Rana saying that they loved each other, and that's why you said that. Oh. You bought your Canna sweatshirt and vowed to wear it every time we recorded the podcast. How did that work out? Kids <laughs> in the wash, uh, or maybe hanging in that closet right there. I think you wore it maybe twice. Yeah, I've worn it a few times, like when we aren't recording. But I have a lot of clothes. I have an embarrassing amount of clothes. Mm-hmm. Maybe stop making clothes-based vows then. <laughs> I'm surprised at how quickly that faded. There, I said it. <clears throat> the quality was poor. <gasps> Shame on you. I got the ban hammer out and we said goodbye to Terry and Chris. No, not that one. Why you know, these were people who would post on our Facebook Oh, about just how, how awful much they the show. hated the show every week. Yeah. And I've just copy and paste every week and I just got fed up with it. And then I stopped what I stopped doing was boosting the uh the Facebook posts. I used to like throw ten bucks at that right every week. Yeah. To boost the post over the weekend. And I got lots and lots of likes. Uh no. Well I got some likes. I got Lots of impressions, mm-hmm. but those impressions very rarely converted into a download. So we stopped doing So we stopped that. doing it and then noticed no difference in the number of downloads. Correct. Facebook Face- is shit. Facebook is shit, basically. It's just generally really hard to convert, to, to get people to listen in the first place is difficult. Correct. To get people to comment is nigh on impossible. Yeah. <laughs> we, get, we get a lot more listeners and commenters on the Twitter than we do on the Facebook and I think that's always been the case. Even though it's always been the case since we started taking Twitter seriously. Mm-hmm. Twitter, better than Facebook, <laughs> but still but not great. as well. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> celebrities who shared the initials RP was still inexplicably a thing. Yay! We were reasonably awful in our apathy towards the demise of Cana. <clears throat> <laughs> yes, we were. <laughs> oh, that was that was some. But you know what? Funny episodes. You know what? <laughs> the show has gone on without them 
and nobody's really missed them. No, they got a mention this week, and I was like, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. You know, I got a couple of mentions this week. Well, Rana got a couple of mentions this week. Gina pisses all over Sally's fries by making a better protest banner and bringing a supply of phone chargers while Occupy Underworld becomes a thing. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That was fun. Sally falls through the roof. <laughs> Sarah gives Gani his haul for his birthday. Ugh. Ken. <clears throat> that was just a year ago. And now Sarah's married to someone else. And, and Gary got Maria pregnant. Ken annoys the fuck out of everyone on the trip to Peter's new boat with his tiny bladder and need for mints. Didn't that... Oh, no, no. It was the bus driver's bladder that Resu- resulted in a heart trip, attack. Yeah. Yeah. Carla declares her love for Peter. <clears throat> Natalie is good at table football and is wired out of her tits. Oh, I miss Natalie. Mm-hmm. She was a great character. Right. Man. Get rid of great characters all the time. Rana dies... Abby <laughs> saves everyone else and as yet is to receive her Weatherfield Hero Award. Seriously. Moment of the week Abby was deserves all the awards. Peter and Carla's reaction to the roof coming down and boring moment of the week was Izzy complaining about vegetables. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. Ta-da! <clears throat> a little tickle. Hmm. Shall we dive in with you? Please. Yes, please. Jesus, 24 minutes. Yes, please. Our first storyline today is our our last storyline. So let's jump into our second storyline, which is Tim's fucking dad. Oh, just give him the coronavirus already. On on Monday, Tim's dad has made breakfast while Yasmin has cleaned the toilet. He tells her to sing happy birthday twice as she washes her hands. Prescient. Apparently not. Uh, 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 Yeah, apparently... This was filmed well before right. coronavirus was a thing. Coincidence. Yes. Well well done, Corey, for for having Nostradamus on uh, <laughs> on the writer's room. Tim Stad reveals that Yasmin was tossing and turning last night. He invites her to dance to the last waltz. Think about starting all over again in Cyprus. She deserves it. This country isn't for old folk in the winter, and Yasmin says that she isn't so sure about leaving any- everyone. Ryan apparently has moved in with Alia. So, <clears throat> so there's nobody living. No, in that flat. Because Robert's dead. Robert's dead. Michelle, Michelle left. Where did she go to? Ireland. Right. Yes, she's she's going to form a um a relationship with with Irish Tina. Oh, Irish Tina. I haven't seen Irish Tina in a while. Yes, because she's in Ireland with Michelle. They are now lesbians. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Ali is gone. Gone, just somewhere. Yes. Illegally. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> Illegally has left when he's he's got a court date. So yeah, so that flat is now completely empty. Interesting. Why? Why why wouldn't Ryan just move Alia into there? Why? You know why? Because then Alia and Toya can talk Can't about have a conversation, right? Stuff. So Alia's still worried about her gran and Tim's dad stealing her money. Ryan thinks that Yasmin is the only person who can help Yasmin. Ryan's taking a quite a detached approach to his advice in, in this situation, which I guess is fine, but it kind of makes him out to be disinterested. Well, he's got a lot of family problems on his own, doesn't he? Does he? Because he doesn't mention them. Well, he doesn't mention them this week, but last week, remember, he was so frustrated with Ali. But Ali left, so that went away. Meh. Meanwhile, 
Yes, meanwhile. Meanwhile, Yasmin isn't sure how they can afford this. Tim's dad thinks that they could even afford a housekeeper because the cost of living is so cheap as chips in Cyprus. Is it? And Alia can always come visit. And so Jasmine finally gives in. Tim's dad goes to see Alia at Speeddal. She's found out about the unauthorised withdrawals and the petty cash is also pretty light. Tim's dad denies everything and says that he won't have that she won't have to worry about him for very much longer. What do you mean by that, says Alia, but Tim's dad kind of storms out. Yeah, because he's a dick. Later. A gentleman by the name of Peter Stones. <laughs> Rockstone. Because <laughs> Peter means rock. Alfred Testicles arrives and <laughs> Spital to value the business. Tim's dad and Yasmin are selling their shares, he announces. Yeah, which they haven't discussed with Ali at all. And I don't understand the legality of this, of, of selling out from under your partner without consent or organizing because well, you, you have if somebody shares. buys if somebody else buys the other shares and there's somebody that alia can't work with that's tough titty i think none of this makes sense oh. but anyway so alia storms around to yasmin's yasmin knew about selling up speedal and alia wants to know why so yasmin explains about cyprus too many bad memories here she needs a fresh start Alia knows that this was Tim's dad's idea to separate her from the people who love her. She calls Alia ridiculous, but Alia says, from where I'm standing, he's abusing you. Alia decides to take matters into her own hands and goes off to pack for Yasmin. She needs protecting from Tim's dad. They struggle over a suitcase as Tim's dad comes in. Oh, off without me, he asks. Going anywhere nice? Yeah, away from you, you big fat jerk. Anywhere would be nice as long as it's away from you, you control freak, says Alia. And Tim's dad gives her one of his glares. Mm. Mm. Alia gets stuck into Tim's dad as he calmly packs for Yasmin. He asks, who has Yasmin's interests at heart, do you think? And who wants to steal money from her? Oh, who's actually stealing money from her, <laughs> Tim's dad, if that is your real name? <laughs> Yasmin oh. looks like she's come round, but then she says that she trusts Tim's dad. He throws Alia out, who tearfully tells Jasmine that she won't give up on her. She's there for her, day or night. And Tim's dad slams the door and draws the curtains. Tim's dad inside is convinced that Jasmine has been mouthing off to Alia about him. Jasmine has allowed Alia to think that Tim's dad is a monster, and he'll thank her for not treating him like one, and he storms out of the house. You are yes. a fucking monster. He is a monster. And Jasmine knows this. She, you can tell in her face, she knows deep down, he's a monster. So why doesn't she, uh, she, when she has this opportunity, when Alia confronts her about it, that you've, you've been abused and she, she insists that she isn't, you think that she knows that she is being abused? Yes. But then chooses not to admit it? Because does, does admitting it make it real? Sometimes the fear of being alone outweighs the fear of being with a monster. But she wouldn't be alone. She Romantically alone. Oh. We have a woodpecker who lives in the tree that's right outside that window. Yes. And it's driving me fucking nuts. Oh, I like it. It's comforting. It nature, nature finds a way. Fucking annoying. Nature uh, finds And I've tried to think of who was... Uh, Woody Woodpecker's uh, 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 adversary. Uh, and I don't think he had one. 
was it everybody Woody Woodpecker's adversary? Was it Woody Woodpecker kind of the asshole? Oh, I think so. <laughs> and this little shit that's, that's out there, I'm definitely his enemy. You just don't like. You don't still like. What? What about that one? What about? Um, I think that's a blue jay. Oh, don't mean that. That doesn't bother you. You, at, you do not bother me. At least you don't have to deal with with loud children outside anymore. Because they're all locked up in their houses. <laughs> Pretty much. They play basketball every now and again. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, Benny is mad at me because I won't let him go over and play basketball or jump on the trampoline. That's so. <laughs> Alia talks to Toya. She's so helpless in all this. She says she thinks about contacting the police, but Toya reckons there's no real proof. But Toya has an idea up her sleeve. Aha. Uh-huh. Tim's dad is back late from a long walk. He's had a lot to... What do you think he did in his long walk? He went to the pub. He's had a lot to think about. That, that's when he made the uh, appointment with the other woman. And calls her marriage broken. Alia is dead to me, he says. Me too, says Yasmin. She's finished with her granddaughter. Cutting all ties if it means that she can keep Tim's dad. And they hug each other. Meanwhile... Ali and Toya are at the police station looking for information under Claire's Law. From the BBC, the domestic violence disclosure scheme known as Claire's Law is intended to provide information that could protect someone from being a victim of attack. The initiative is named after 36-year-old Claire Wood, who was murdered by her ex-boyfriend in 2009. The scheme allows the police to disclose information on request about a partner's previous history of domestic violence or violent acts. Thank you to the BBC for that information. That's a very interesting law. I interesting, wonder, isn't it? I wonder if we have an equivalent here. I don't think we do. I don't think so either. Maybe we should. Mm-hmm. But then again, last month, I, I, I went uh, with uh, Moms Demand Action to Advocacy Day in the Capitol just to get a law passed that matches a federal law that says that people who have been charged in the past with domestic violence can't own a gun and had many congress people tell me that they they believed in the second amendment <laughs> and that was yeah. the reason to not pass that law so i think a decision that Ugh. a group of old white men made a couple of hundred years ago is absolutely relevant in 2020 mm. but anyway that's for our other show <laughs> that's for that political show that we don't do <laughs> Alia explains the situation with Tim's dad and Yasmin and asks if uh, Tim's dad has a history of abuse. The police say that they can search and tell Yasmin if they find anything, so Alia gives a name and address. It's Tim's dad, Six Coronation Street. Yes. <laughs> Tim's motherfucking dad. Uh, oh. Have we had a motherfucker on the show? I don't think we may have. I'm sure we have. I'm sure it was... About Tim's dad, <laughs> because that's the character we swear about the most. On Wednesday, Alia's doing some interneting. Kate's been in touch to say that she misses Rana. Oh. Okay. Well, how, how's selfish, your, selfish Kate. How's your trip? Once again. How's your trip bed, Kate? <laughs> how how are how are things? Did you meet up with Sophie, Kate? What's what's going on with you? Have you have you settled anywhere, Kate? No, I just miss Rana. <laughs> So one-dimensional. Such a selfish character. Oh, Even to this day. They talk about the police investigation into Tim's dad. It could take 
up to 35 days to get some results here. Well. And so Rana's doing some <clears throat> voggling. Not Rana. Rana's dead. Oh, God. You <laughs> said Rana. Alia is doing some <clears throat> voggling of her own. Yeah, which the it police... beats just sitting around, she which says. Which the police very specifically said not to do. Did they? I'm pretty sure they said, just let us do our job and we'll be in touch. And Toya has said to her, look, just let the police do their work. They'll be in touch. But she doesn't think she has time because they're... Because they're moving to Cyprus. And moving to Cyprus within a month. Yasmin and Tim's dad are enjoying breakfast and talk of Cyprus. Yasmin wants to talk about Alia, but Tim's dad says that's the past. Cyprus is the future. Tim's dad thinks it's going it's going to be great being the mysterious Brits with no friends over there. I've got is news it? for you, Tim's dad. Cyprus is full of Brits. Yeah. None of them mysterious. No. <laughs> Alia has taken a laptop to the rovers to continue her <clears throat> voggling. Mm-hmm. Ryan wonders about her digital footprint, but then dun da 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 Alia's found it. Tim's dad was charged with a fray with a Jocelyn Walker, an alleged fight in a pub that spilled out onto the street. Alia, a fray is such a nice way to put it. It's like a breach of the peace. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. But it's such a much more polite British way of saying, of saying it. Mm-hmm. A fray. Alia has to rescue it's her man away fray. from this monster. Ryan points out that both of them were charged. Uh, again, Ryan taking the... Yeah. Kind of Switzerland path through this. Yes. She plans to show Yasmin, but Ryan doesn't think it's going to be that simple. Talk no. to the, talk to the police instead, he advises. Again, you know, this is the whole Toya telling her, Look, she's not going to believe anything you say. You you, you can't push her into into accepting this. You you gotta tread lightly and Alia doesn't want to tread lightly. She's going to stick with her plan. Yasmin will let her in. They have an unbreakable bond, she says, not realising that she's been disowned in the last 15 minutes. Correct. On the street, Alia watches the house until she sees Tim's dad leave. She goes to the door and Yasmin opens up, but she's got the door on the little latch chain thing. Leave me alone, says Yasmin, and she closes the door. Alia says, I will cause a scene if I have to, and Yasmin quickly opens it up back, opens it back up again and ushers her in. But her evidence doesn't cut much with Yasmin. She still wants that fresh start. Alia's scared for her and suggests that they wait a month before leaving. She would suggest mentioning Jocelyn, but... Or Jocelyn? Jocelyn. But Tim's dad would fly off the handle. Then Tim's dad is heard outside, and Yasmin urges Alia to leave out of the back door. Right, because Alia's not supposed to be there because they've disowned her. Right. Tim's dad is happy to see how lovely the house is looking, and Yasmin as well. Oh, full of compliments, Tim's dad. Hmm. He's found a couple of properties to look at, and he's brought some takeout home, and he thanks Yasmin for everything. Then he goes for a bath. Before dinner. (laughs) With a towel. (laughs) No, 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 no. La, 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 la. Your, your you hand can keep motions. your head on. Your, 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 your hand motions do not make this better. <laughs> Alia bursts into the rovers looking for Ryan, but ends up venting to Eileen. Uh, she's just... Come on, Eileen. She's just had to sneak out of Yasmin's house, and Eileen is troubled to hear that Tim's dad won't let Alia see her gran. This isn't strictly true, but whatever. Girl, says Alia, you ain't heard the half of it. Yeah. 
Tim's dad's had his bath and put his dirty clothes back on again. Ew. <laughs> he sees Jasmine on the laptop and demands to see what she's been looking at. Jasmine doesn't want him to get angry and then asks about Jocelyn. Tim's dad admits to knowing her. Yasmin knows that he was charged and would like to know what happened. While Tim's dad wants to know who she's been talking to. And later, as he serves dinner, Tim's dad explains that it was all Jocelyn's fault. She of had a temper. Was. He was arrested for defending himself and the charges were dropped. Of course he, he did. He can't believe this has been dredged up. Yasmin says that she had to ask. He blames Alia and she admits it. Tim's dad picks up her food and throws it on the floor. It looked good as well. It looked really tasty. Yeah. I wanted to kick him in the teeth. Oh, yes, absolutely. So and then, bad. Yeah, that food does look pretty tasty, though. Mm. He blames her, calling himself an easygoing kind of fella. She's impossible to live with, making a mockery of their marriage. Yasmin is scraping the food back onto her plate and eating it because Tim's dad spent so much money on it. Tim's dad says that oh. she makes him sick and goes upstairs while she breaks down in tears. When he comes down, he says the carpet is going to stain and he's off out. Fuck you later and you can forget about Cyprus. Don't wait up, he says. And he's wearing like a... a this he's he's wearing clothes that make it look like he's going on a date. Yeah, because he was wearing that little blue polo shirt thing at first, and, then and now he he's puts, not wearing that. Uh, yeah, he's, he's got this shiny rayon, maybe purple <laughs> oh, Oxford shirt. Oh, lovely, you know that he probably bought in the eighties, mm-hmm. back when he was dating whoever came after Tim's mum. Cool. Bros. Tim's dad is at a fancy restaurant with an unknown woman while Yasmin is at home scrubbing the floor. The woman in the restaurant says, well, this looks expensive, and this jolts Tim's dad's brain. Does he pay her now or later? Ew! That's a great thing to ask a woman over dinner, isn't it? Right, yeah. Because he buys the expensive wine, and he brought her flowers. There'll be time for that later, says the escort. Ew. <sighs> I'm a bear of simple brain when it comes to these sort of things. <laughs> yes, you are. An escort. Yes. Is she a sex worker? That depends. On? On on the escort. Some, it, it's, it's, it's like a, those, those massage parlors that you like to point out on the way. <laughs> To and to and from on 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 sixty nine that says that all say truckers welcome, you know. Well, it doesn't say truckers welcome. It says Hawaii Spa, and it looks the scuzziest little cabin in the middle of nowhere. And every time we pass it on Interstate sixty nine, hilariously enough, <laughs> there's always like one or two cars, usually a pickup truck, right, parked at it. I think Velvet Touch is the one that has Velvet truckers welcome over. Has a Velvet Touch five cent peep shows apparently. It's closed down now. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> or is it? <laughs> Yikes! No, I think you ha- know Hawaii Spa. I don't think they they. I think they just wank you off, don't they? Well, I don't know. I haven't been in there before, but you know, it makes me itchy. Just driving by it. That looks so filthy. Hmm. I'm sorry if the proprietors of Hawaii Spa listen to this. They don't. (laughs) They're big fans of Coronation Street. (laughs) (laughs) 
They prefer Emmerdale Farm. No, anyway. they're Hollyoaks <clears throat> people. <laughs> See, Jamie? <laughs> yeah. So she might also be a prostitute then? Yes. Okay. Yes, but legally... Did Tim's dad get his hole, is what I'm thinking. Probably. <laughs> on Friday, Yasmin looks like she's been on the sofa all night waiting for Tim's dad. She's kind of wrapped herself up in a little... Blanky. Little blanky. Bless her heart. <clears throat> waiting for Tim's dad to come, so- to come home. She phones him and leaves a message on his voicemail. She goes round to the cab office to see if Tim has heard from Tim's dad, but he hasn't. Uh-oh. And Yasmin rushes off while Tim's ba- Tim goes looking for biscuits. So she goes to speed dial and finds... She's doing a lot of eating this week. Right. Had at least two kebabs on Friday. <laughs> she goes to speed dial and finds Ali on Those the phone for Steve. to the police. Following up on the Claire's Law request, Yasmin doesn't think she's Alia's responsibility and doesn't want Tim's dad's feelings to be hurt by this. She wants to know why Alia thinks the worst and why she doesn't want Yasmin to be happy. Yasmin explains what Tim's dad said about the affray, and she believes it. Open your fucking eyes, Gran, says Alia. Don't make me choose, says Yasmin, and she leaves. Like, it's like you're already choosing. But I think a lot She's of... She's chosen. Yeah. I think a lot of people in the world right now can can relate to Alia, you know. And, and it is difficult when this person who was in charge of you and, and raised you up is now the one who needs protecting... And defending, and whether that's trying to get them away from an abusive partner, or trying to get them to not go to the bingo because there's a pandemic <laughs> on. Don't go to the bingo for <laughs> Please don't go to the bingo. It's all, you know, quite upsetting, and um, and it's a very interesting. It's it's upsetting for both of them because Yasmin is. You know, it's, it's getting to an age where she does need help and she does need family to look after her. And Ali is trying to do that. Right. And Yasmin's like, no, I'm the grandparent here. I'm in charge of you, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And you're young and I'm old. So you listen to me. I don't listen to you. And we really, what, what Alia really should be doing is enlisting people like Eileen and Kathy, people who are closer in age and are friends with Yasmin, to go and talk to Yasmin and see about Yasmin and invite Yasmin out and things like that. So that's what Alia should be doing right now because Yasmin would probably listen to her friends before she would listen to her granddaughter. That's true. Ah, because and she... also, I really just want to see Eileen punch Tim's dad in the face. Eileen smash on Tim's dad. Ah, yep. Just love Eileen so much. Yeah, because Jasmine even cast up the fact that Alia's judgment when it comes to men isn't isn't the best herself. So how can she judge when right. her uh, ex-boyfriend raped David Plummer? <laughs> so I did not expect well, those words to come out of Yasmin's yes, mouth. Yes, let's go straight there because we can't say anything bad about Ryan. Apparently. Yasmin is home when she gets a text and then a grumpy looking Tim's dad comes in. He admits to not giving her feelings a second thought all night. She insists that she loves and trusts him. He accuses her of not wanting to go to Cyprus and the expression on her face gives this away to be true. He wishes that she'd have told him 
sooner and not waste his time. She says it's too big a decision to take so early in their marriage. Tim's dad says he wish his wishes don't count for anything, and then he goes off to have a shower. <coughs> because he's just had sex with a prostitute. That's twice this week they've tried to make us think of, or three times they've tried to make us think of Tim's dad naked. Yeah. No, thank you. At speed dial. Tim's dad admits to Alia that the Cyprus thing has been postponed, but it will definitely happen, so get yourself used to it. Mm-hmm. And Speed Dal is slammed, and Tim's dad is worse than useless. He's, instead of working, he's on his phone arranging to meet that escort again. Rachel's her name, and he makes this incredibly creepy fa- face as he comes off the phone with her. <laughs> and that's as like, far as we get with that this uh-huh. week. I'm going to get my hold again. <laughs> It's going to be interesting to see what the police report thing brings up. Because I'm sure there must be something. There's got to be more. Mm-hmm. Maybe something about Tim's mum. I want Tim's mum to come to the show. I want I, want, I want. I would that. love that, yes. I want more information on this affray thing as well. The, the, mm-hmm. the newspaper was... Yes, let's find Jocelyn. ...was typically... Vague. Uh, yeah, quite vague about the information with regards to like what exactly was the charge. Right. They were fighting... Is that it? It was like an argument. Mm-hmm. A breach of peace. Yeah. <sighs> and a fray. Such a great word. <laughs> a fray. Our next storyline today, today this, this morning, morning, whenever, is... <laughs> Time has no more meaning. <laughs> this has been the longest week. <laughs> and it's only it's only week, week one. one. Evelyn's fancy man. <laughs> Woohoo! On Monday, Evelyn has taken Roy and that makes me sad. Cerberus for a walk. Apparently the pooch isn't feeling too good and Tyrone thinks that she'll need to take him to a vet which will cost a pretty penny. This made me really worried for Cerberus. Hope wants to stuff the dog if he dies. <laughs> <laughs> of course she does. Instead of cremating him. Which is what we did to Teddy. Oh, and then we buried his ashes in the backyard. Next to the kennel. That never went in. No. Uh, he was a good boy. He was a good boy. Fizz goes round to the garage to tell Ty that Cerberus is off his food and needs to be taken to the vet. Evelyn is going to need Tyrone's support, though. So at the vet, Evelyn has found out that Cerberus has arthritis. There are many options available, but Evelyn settles on joint pills, but the price, apparently, is extortionate. Just imagine how extortionate those other options, like laser surgery and stuff, would have been. Tyrone reckons that they could get a second-hand car for that. And then a cockapoo comes running through with their owner at their tail. It's Arthur Medwin, an old flame of Evelyn's, and he gives Evelyn a surprise by giving her a big hug. Oh, and calling her Smiley. Smiler. Yay. <laughs> not, 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 not the nickname you expect Evelyn to have. Right, so Arthur and his dog are away getting seen by the vet. Tyrone hasn't missed that Evelyn is all of a fluster. She just wants him and the dog to beat it. Out comes Arthur, who wants to meet at the Red Wreck later. Like that. Not like that. And Evelyn suggests Victoria Gardens, and then bumps into Tyrone as she hurriedly tries to leave. Uh-huh. It's unusual seeing Her Evelyn flustered. like this, isn't it? Yes, it's cute. I like it. Talking of cute. Back home, Hope and Ruby have been making biscuits, which Tyrone thinks are disgusting. Yeah. Because of dog. dog biscuits. <laughs> that was cute. I love that. <laughs> to help Cerberus with his shocking joints. And Aww. Evelyn is thrilled with the girls. Yes. Tyrone pulls out a special biscuit for her special friend because it's kind of heart-shaped. Aw. Tyrone is taking great pleasure in ripping the absolute piss yes, out of his Yes, he is. Gran. It's cute. 
Tyrone's mouth still tastes of dog biscuits. <laughs> Evelyn is miles away thinking about her old flame, but she insists she's worried about her dog. Tyrone is enjoying taking the piss a little bit too much. Nah. You don't think? No. Considering how often Evelyn takes the piss out of him. That's true. It's fine. On Wednesday, Evelyn does it. And to be fair, Evelyn doesn't chastise him for this. No, She no. takes it. Yeah. And she retorts right. in kind, but she yes. doesn't She doesn't tell him just to knock it off. No. Which is the right thing to do yeah, for that I think character. Yeah, because I think if she said knock it off, he'd just do it more. She, she knows that, yes. Yeah. But she's not the sort of character that's going to show that anything is bothering her. Correct. This is it's why so she's great. Such, such a, a great good character. character. <laughs> On Wednesday, Evelyn is informed. Uh, yeah. Evelyn is informed. I, I got a Twitter notification that just jumped over what I was going to say. Oh. Evelyn is in from walking the dog. Ty thinks that she's looking and smelling quite nice, which is a strange thing to say about your gran, mm. and suspects a man with a cockapoo has something to do with it. She's got her makeup on, but insists that she has no plans to go to the community garden today. Chinny, says Tyrone, and he heads off to work. That was funny. Mm-hmm. Chinny Rakon is the fool, but Chinny, and then he even goes, Chinny. Right. <laughs> Later, Evelyn's at the community garden, right enough, and is about to give up when Arthur appears. And Evelyn can't hide her happiness. The two of them sit and chat about how the intervening years have treated them. Arthur thinks uh, his golden years was with her at a nightclub. Seems it was fine until Arthur shipped off to Canada and there was a confusion at the docks because Evelyn's dad had died and she didn't turn up or something like that. Mm. What's for you won't pass, she says Evelyn. That's what her mum said before she was hit by a bus. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. That was funny. But he has to say, you're joking, right? And she goes, of course I'm joking. (laughs) Later, they're still in the community garden. They're going to get piles at this rate. Arthur mistakes the poet <laughs> Gerald Gerard Manley Hopkins with the sports presenter Gerald Sinstad. That's funny. Ah, uh, sports. Remember sports? Sports no. Were, sports were competitive competitions conducted either in teams or individually. These competitions would vary wildly from competition to competition. Yeah. For example, the rules of association football were quite different to those of darts. These competitions would be attended by various numbers of people, from a few dozen to tens of thousands. These activities were largely pointless, but did serve as a distraction to the futility of life, decay and entropy, and our ultimate demise. Good times. Yeah, and sometimes it was fun to, to create brackets and... And to maybe do some, some, some gambling in the office during some of these competitions. I do miss March Madness. I miss March Madness be, so much. It's starting up around about now. Elon uh. doesn't think Arthur's jokes have improved over the years. He says he's been back in the country since the 80s. If only he'd known about her dad dying, he says. And she says, if my auntie had wheels, she'd be a bike. It's just life <laughs> and they part agreeing to meet again at the Rovers tomorrow. So on Friday, Tyrone is shocked to find that even this even Arthur thing could be described as a romance. He thought it was just companionship at their age. So he's starting to take this seriously. <laughs> right, yeah. Tyrone doesn't think that old people have sexual intercourse. No. Oh, Tyrone, you're in for a treat when you get to be an old man. <laughs> Evelyn confirms that they did meet and are going to the pub tonight. Pity that Fizz is barred or she could come too, she says. <laughs> kind of, just a little sting, a little right, barb to yep. Fizz. But in a later scene, we see Fizz getting her hair done at the salon and Jenny comes in and in a roundabout way tells Fizz that she's not barred anymore. Yeah, which was nice. I like Fizz's hair this week. 
I like it when it's all down and and the curls are. It was fabulous. Contained and everything. Especially when you punch the microphone. Take that pesky microphone. Hit it and smash. Even Evelyn goes into the rovers to reserve a booth for later. Jenny says they don't do reservations, but after Evelyn casts up a substandard hot pot, Jenny relents. <laughs> that was funny. On the way out, Evelyn and Claudia are catted to each other, and Claudia offers to do a champion set if she's looking to impress her gentleman friend. No, no Claudia offers a, a juge. It's Audrey who says a shampoo oh, and a set, yeah. and Claudia says, with all due respect, darling, <laughs> I think was... she needs a little bit more. Evelyn, when she's having this conversation with Jenny at the bar, Audrey and Claudia are at the booth closest right. to the door. And then Claudia says, oh, is that you meeting up with a, a little fancy man? Right. And Evelyn says, I'm surprised you can eavesdrop as well through all that hair. <laughs> Which was just, just great. Superb. So good. See, whoever had the idea to get Maureen Lippman on the show? Uh, give that person a raise. Because <laughs> she's, she's fantastic. What is Claudia doing back on the street instead of hanging her hat at Shady Acres? There's a bar at Shady Acres. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, it's because she wants Audrey to go in on this business scheme to do home hairstyling. That's why. Yeah, don't really mention that. No. So, Claudia comes round to uh, Tyrone's house and tells Evelyn that before they can do hair and makeup, they need to take care of those whiskers first. <laughs> what whiskers? Yikes. And plink, plink, plink. Claudia starts her plucking. Mm-hmm. A bit later, and Claudia's done and looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Evelyn looks amazing. Mm. Well, she looks a little overdone. She looks like Claudia. <laughs> Arthur is going to be blown away. But Evelyn thinks she looks like a chihuahua in a wind tunnel. But Claudia <laughs> tells her, Evelyn Evelyn says Audrey would have done a better job and throws Claudia out. But as soon as Claudia is gone, Evelyn looks in the mirror and there's a, there's a making of a smile there. Yeah. So later, Evelyn's at the reserved booth with when... Later, Evelyn is at her reserved booth when Fizz and Ty come in, and Jenny officially apologises to uh, Fizz, blah, 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 blah. Correct. And it looks like Evelyn's going to be drinking alone in her wee reserved booth. Oh, no! And Ty wants to go over, but Fizz holds him back, and then Evelyn gets up, puts on her coat, and leaves. Nice. That was so sad. Yeah, very sad. I don't understand why he would have stood it up like that. He's probably dead. <laughs> don't, we can't have Arthur in just for one episode. And Surely then he not. dies. I I know how you feel about the Evelyn and Roy thing. I, yes, I want that to be I a quite thing. liked what we saw of Arthur. He seemed like a nice guy. Yeah, nice enough, but he's not Roy. <laughs> he's normal. <laughs> Evelyn was a normal person. It just doesn't work for me. I don't know. I just thought the two of them sitting in the community it garden. It was, there was cute. They were very instant, cute together. There was an instant chemistry they between the two of them. They were very cute together. I do prefer her with Roy, though. But that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> do you think this is going anywhere or just no I think it's going somewhere and and I like it I like that we are seeing another dimension to Evelyn right. you know it's not just cranky grand <sighs> although she was very good just doing that yeah but again I still really like this I think yeah, it's, it's nice yeah nice. it works well fills, fills the character out a little bit more our next storyline I like it. Shady Acres. Oh dear. Uh, the, 
there are hints of where the storyline is going that I approve of immensely. And then there are bits that are kind of like me. Really? I, I, I'm, I'm like... <coughs> I, There's I, a I, lot I, to like here. There's a lot I to think like, I like here. I think I like most... Uh, we'll, 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 we'll get, get we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. On Monday at Shady Acres, Claudia is joining Zumba while Ken has spotted a literary society talking about 20th century fiction. They seem to have landed in Pretension City. <laughs> right, and it's it, it's weird because I I'm just I'm trying to figure out what this place looks like because the outside doesn't really match the inside, <laughs> and I'm not quite sure where they live within this right. because you drive up and there's just just this one big stone house, but there must be other houses and things round about you just don't see them there's apartments within it isn't it i don't know i think it is i think they're it's apartments. all very confusing i'm very confused because the inside looks so much more spacious than the outside we're introduced to felicity who reveals that roger has taken a spill so he can't deliver the talk and claudia volunteers ken who she says is a writer has been published in the weatherfield gazette and all that Ooh, that's settled and felicity goes off to spread the word Ken's prepared for his talk. He's surprised at seeing so many chairs, and Felicity has given it the hard sell. We're introduced to Francis, who can speak Chinese and used to be an ambassador. Not very well. Felicity and Francis, what do you mean not very well? He can speak Chinese, just he speaks Chinese like a white person. (laughs) There's a guy on YouTube. Uh Uh-huh. Millions of subscribers. Uh Uh-huh. And all he seems to do is go into... Chinese restaurants in New York and surprise the proprietors by speaking Chinese to them. Uh-huh. But by, by speaking Chinese perfectly. Ah. And speaking these weird uh, dialects that right. nobody knows how to speak. Well, and gets, weird to us. And gets, like, well, yeah. And gets, like, a, a million views. Huh. And that's that's what he does. It seems like a, a, a charming young man, but there's a YouTube channel called uh, Chinese Cooking Demystified that I highly recommend. It's really good because it's like actual Chinese food, not, you know, Chinese restaurant no. food because they're actually in in China. And it's been interesting, especially watching their videos now when they're under lockdown and running out of ingredients and stuff. The guy always asks, what do you recommend? Mm-hmm. And see the number of times that they say General Zhao's chicken <laughs> just shakes my head. Anyway, so Felicity and Francis are very much a copy of Claudia and Ken. Ken is reading from one of his short stories. It's a story about himself, yes. and it goes down a storm. Well, is it a short story or is it an essay about his life? Is it memoir? Oh, I think it's an. I think it's a short story. Ah, there's a Q and A, and Felicity asks where he gets his ideas from, and Ken, as pretentious <laughs> as ever. Says he gets them from the universe and or the world around him. And right. What I like to say is, there's a little shop on Main Street <laughs> that does like, three for the price of two. <laughs> and then there's a familiar voice from the back. <gasps> it's Norris. It's Norris Cole. Woohoo! How many novels have you had published? He asks, because he knows that it's not a high number. No. 
Norris Cole says, Ken, what a lovely surprise. And Ken explains that he published a short story collection <coughs> and then he had his Gazette column. Norris is trying to make Ken look as foolish as he possibly can, but Ken says it's about quality over quantity and Norris sits down and shuts the fuck up. Yeah, and, and all the people tell him to shut the fuck up too. Right. Including some guy named Charles. Yes. Charles. More of Charles. A little bit. The talk has been a great success, despite Norris's best intentions. Norris says Ken is up to a good-natured debate, after all. Correct. Norris and his Mrs. Frida announce that they live here now. They've abandoned Emily, and Norris suggests that they retire <laughs> to the bar. We left her in Scotland to fend for herself. Claudia and Frida are chatting while Norris and Ken are at the bar. Norris needs Ken's help. He needs to get out of this place. <laughs> Norris doesn't understand why uh, Ken's here. And Ken says that he wants a last hurrah. Norris thinks it's like living in a cult here, and Charles is a ringleader. Any dissent is social suicide. He paints a very bleak picture of life at Shady Acres. <laughs> yeah, because he's already on the outs. That's why. And Claudia comes over to tell him that Charles has invited the four of them to fondue. He's on the outs. Yeah, I think Norris is already mean? on the outs. On the outs. He's already gotten on the bad side of Charles, so oh. he already has a black mark against him okay. somehow, which doesn't surprise me because he's Norris. Oh, he's going to infuriate people all over the meets. place. Yep. Yes. On Wednesday at Shady Acres, Ken seems to be nursing a headache and is suffering uh, <laughs> a call from Amy. Claudia is wearing a toe ring. Is she? Mm. Oh, yeah, because she showed off her legs. She's Which, eyeing up some fencing lessons and she thinks that they're the new cool kids on the block. Sure. Oh, Claudia. Ken meets up with Norris for a cup of coffee. Norris continues to point out all the shortcomings of a place that looks frankly magnificent. Ken thinks... A little too magnificent. Mm -hmm. Ken thinks that Frida would surely agree to leave if she knew Norris was so unhappy, but Frida has changed, apparently. She's not the woman Norris married. Huh. This place is to blame. Norris wants Ken to help convince Frida that it's her idea to leave. Later, Norris is still going on about how corrupt this place and Charles are, and once again he begs Ken to talk with Frida. Claudia arrives in full fencing garb. <laughs> and Which is great. And forces Ken to join her. Then Norris and Ken are chatting with Charles, each one of them trying to outdo the pretension. Ken lies to Charles about being to Marrakesh, which Claudia later chastises him for. And that's as far as we get this week. Yes. So the bits of this that I like. Uh-huh. I like the fact that Norris is there. Yes, and, me and too. I, and I like the fact that it looks like it's a great escape story. <laughs> of how, how they're all going to get. And I include Ken in this. Because I don't see Ken here long term. No. Of how they're all going to manage to manufacture their way out without upsetting their other halves. Right. Because Claudia is in her element. This is this place has Claudia written all over it. And Ken would like to think this place has Ken written all over it, mm. but it doesn't. And I think the pretension of it is going to sour him to it sooner rather than later. Right, but he's pretentious as well. It's just that he is. there are people there that are out-pretensioning him. Right. Yeah, which gonna, I don't think he likes like that. that. I think he likes to be the big fish in the small pond. Right. It's a bit Stepford Wife-ish. And that I, I, I like that about it as well. I like that about it as well. The fact that there's this uh, mirror couple to Ken and Claudia, which is just like kind of the metaphor that everyone here is like you, only a mm. little bit better. Right. Uh 
I'm kind of uncomfortable with with the fact that they that it seems like they're going to have to trick their wives or partners into into wanting to leave and that feels a little icky to me you know it it feels almost it 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 feels a little bit in the same vein as uh Tim's dad gaslighting Yasmin into wanting to move away and yes Claudia is the one who kind of shoehorned Ken into moving there in the first place, even though she just bought a flat and has businesses to run. So I don't know why she's, she's a business person. She's not retired. No. Ken's retired. She's not. How is she getting all this time off to go fencing? Claudia's the sort of person that that works until she dies. Right. So I don't see her in a retire to be the one to be like, oh no, we have to go to this retirement home with a lot of old people. Right. And it's funny because in her conversation with Frida, you know, Frida's telling her about some of the other places they looked at where they just have classes where people just wave slowly. And yet, not five minutes later, in the background is a room full of people doing Tai Chi, which is essentially people waving and making very slow hand motions. And being very careful not to hit the microphone. <laughs> In a very concentrated way, you know? So, I don't know. It it feels fun, and I think it's going to be a fun storyline. I think so, too. I have high hopes for it. But I, I, have, I have some... reservations when it kind of veers toward cliche or anti-feminism does that make any sense well it doesn't make sense to you because you're a white dude carry on plus you you managed to uh, turn any storyline into a, a question mark about something right that's my job is it yeah it's frustrating it's my job to be the devil's advocate here. I'd like to see a scene in Ken's room at some point where there's a poster of Rita Hayworth on the wall <laughs> and Charles throws a pebble at it and it goes through the poster. <laughs> Our next storyline is Seb and Emma. Oh, Sebema. I just... Sebema? They, they need to stop with this. Treating Emma like she wants to be a doormat. I hate it. I hate I, I it. don't like this either. So Emma and Seb are in Roy's Rolls talking about going on holiday to Australia at Christmas. Her mum has offered to pay for the flights. And rather than jump at the chance, Seb wants to think about it and goes off for lunch. That was weird. Mm. Emma catches up with Seb, who's heading to the pub for a drink with Abby and Kevin. For some reason, he doesn't want Emma to go along with. Which was weird. And still isn't keen on Australia. Which is weird. Because that's Christmas. That's... Nine months away. Nine months away, and he's acting like they're going next week. Uh-huh. At it, this point, Emma should be like, you know what, pal? Go fuck yourself. Go fuck off. And the Rovers, Ken's got the... No, not Ken, because he's at Shady Acres. Oh. Kev's got the drinks in while Seb explains about the Christmas in Australia offer that he's going to knock back. He doesn't even have a passport. Abby says he can probably get one in under nine months unless... And then she starts to wonder if he's going off Emma, who suddenly appears behind the bar. She's covering for Jenny or something. Or something. Oh, hiya. Oh, hiya. It's quieting down and Seb comes over for a word and Emma's expecting to be dumped. 
he says that she's bubbly and he's not, but he'd love to come uh, with her to see her mum, and Abby thinks he's done the right thing. I don't really get that. He's Mardy, so therefore he doesn't want to go to Australia and doesn't want Emma to join him for a drink with Kevin Abbey. No, yeah, none of this makes sense. That doesn't compute. No. Timbot4000 says this does not compute. Yeah, a, bit late, a bit late on the uptake there. Correct. Timbot. But still correct. On Wednesday at the flat, Seb wants a quiet night in, but she's having a girly night out. Oh no, but she's having a girly night in with, amongst others, Abby. Yes. And Seb agrees to retreat to the pub. It's a weird, it's a weird girl's night in. The girl, only reason it? it's happening is so that Emma can have a word with Abby. Right. But it's, it's Emma and Abby. Maria. Maria. Tracy. <laughs> Tracy. Amy. And, and, uh, Carla. No, well, Carla's not there, is she? Yeah. Carla's I don't remember there. Seeing Carla. It's, it's, uh, yeah, and... Like, where where are the other young people? <laughs> <laughs> so, Seb's at the pub when Eileen comes in with Alina. Seb can't help but steal some glances, and Eileen encourages Seb to grab a booth for the three of them. Mary joins them, and they have a laugh talking about Eileen snoring. Meanwhile, <laughs> the girls are at the flat playing Truth or Dare. Abby asks Tracy what she wouldn't do for all the money in the world, and Tracy says, Kev. Abby says, but I'm pumped. Abby says, oh yeah, you're half rice, half chips these days, which was such a fucking brilliant line. Emma asks, which friend uh, would she would she want on a desert island? And then makes her eyes go massive as she begs to be picked. But Maria says that she'd pick Tracy on account of how good she'd be at killing stuff. <laughs> Later, Mary sees Seb and Alina doing shots through intertwined arms at the bar, which was weird. Auntie real. Uh, then Seb realises how this must look and hurriedly leaves. Back at the party, it seems that they've been watching a movie where a dog dies four times. It's, yeah, it's a dog's purpose. Emma tries to glean some information from Abby about Seb's feelings for her, but Abby suggests speaking with him herself. The girls leave as Seb comes home. They've missed each other and they smooch. But there's this bit in it where Emma mistakes a stepmum for mother-in-law. Right, yes. And then says... It's Tracy. She's my evil, wicked stepmother. I'm only joking. Uh, I'm, I'm not joking. joking. <laughs> that was great. Timing, I love that. The, the timing was just the impeccable. timing was absolutely <laughs> the comedic timing there was just so perfect. The way like her face, her face goes from smiles and, and then it falls. It reminds me of that uh, that gif of Melania Trump when 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 Donald turns away from her and she's smiling and then he turns and then she goes. Yeah, looks like she's had a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on Friday in Roy's Rolls, Mary quizzes Alina about her feelings for Seb. Alina insists that they're only friends. Tread carefully where Seb is concerned, says Mary, just as Emma comes in and hears <gasps> this. So later, Emma is doing Fizzy's hair, airing her concerns to Maria and Audrey about Seb. They tell her not to worry and say that Seb is lucky to have her, which he absolutely is. Then Emma, who doesn't work at the factory, goes into the factory. She tells Emma that she needs to know if Alina or Seb have feelings for each other, and if so, she'd rather just walk away now. And she advises Alina to think about it. And then she's thrown out of the factory by Gail, who also doesn't work at the factory. Well, no, Gail now works at the factory. <laughs> Later, Alina goes into the salon and admits that she'd hoped she'd get back with Seb when she returned, but then discovered that he was with Emma. And Alina no longer has any interest in Seb, and she would never do anything to hurt Emma, who she considers a friend. 
Then Emma gets a call from Seb, which puts a smile on her face. Seb's with Emma when Alina comes into the bar, and Seb offers to buy her a drink, but she refuses and buys one for herself and goes over with Izzy. Seb worries mm. that Alina was weird. Which part was weird? Refusing a drink and then buying a drink for yourself, or going off with Izzy? <laughs> Seb worries that Lena was weird and Emma worries that Seb is worried. Mm. Then David gets to the bar about a second before Alina and insists that he's first. Alina calls him rude. And when Seb jumps to her defence, she tells him to butt out. She can fight her own fucking battles. And then David buys Alina a drink and Seb looks that moody way he goes when his leg jumps about or he leans forward. Mm. And that's as far as we get with that this mm. week. So yeah, this whole uh, Seb, Alina... Emma potential love triangle. Mm-hmm. It's no. just so frustrating. Nope. No, and thank you very much. I've I've taken a glance at some spoilers that I don't like it either. I don't like where this is heading. Well, that's a spoiler in itself. No. Yes. It could be. It could be heading in a million and one different directions. But one that you don't approve of, which means it's going to hurt Emma. <laughs> I think I might just cut that that bit out before you said that with the spoilers. And actually, I don't think that this would hurt Emma, the spoiler that I'm thinking of. I just think it's dumb and pointless and just mushing two people together that should not be mushed together. But do you think that Emma... I don't like the fact that every time Emma's in a relationship, she does this thing where she doesn't think she's good enough mm-hmm. for the relationship. and And she she self-sacrifices herself for the good of other people yeah i don't want to see that happen I'm, again this, yeah this I'm has happened this has happened with seb already once before mm-hmm. and then happened with chesney right and now seems to be happening again with seb and i don't like it no let emma be happy right let emma be happy please just let emma be happy right oh oh and then with david remember emma and david oh, that was a very brief yeah, Mistake, but, but, but still, she she was the one who said, you're better off with Shona, you should be with Shona. Oh, uh, yeah. So, so this is potentially four times then this is going to happen. Ugh. Uh, come on. She's such a good character. Give her more. Give her more good things just give her different, fun things. Don't, don't just throw in a relationship that is or unsustainable. Just, you know, she's great behind the bar. She's great being one of the people who is very quippy and puts the one-liners in and furthers other stories along and is really great with it. Just use her up in ways where she doesn't get her heart broken yet again. Right. It's getting old. Here's a weird one. Maintaining Michael. On Monday, Michael has met with Grace and Tiana and has paid some maintenance. Michael asks if they could have a more formal arrangement and this puts Grace in a bad mood, and she storms off. And that's all that happened with that this week. Right, and uh, he says, you know, can we just sit down with a cup of coffee and, and work this out? And she seems to take that as him wanting to get back together romantically with her, which is not what he was saying at all. No. Okay. Yeah. Moving on then. Hmm. David and Shona. Ugh. On Friday, David's sitting at the breakfast table... Uh, Shona's magazines are due for renewing their subscriptions and he doesn't know if it's worthwhile doing so. He's sounding very much like he's about ready to give up and Gail tries to talk him round, giving him some encouragement. He has to try again and try harder. Then Gail, who doesn't work at the factory, is at the factory with lunch for Nick that he neither expected nor wanted. 
Yes, but he's appreciative of. And then Gail says, oh, well, this was actually for your brother, but he never showed up. <laughs> she offers to do this in future too. Thanks, says Nick, who isn't grateful at all and is wondering why Gail's still standing there. But it ends up with Gail being hired as a temp assistant or something. An office manager or something. Then in comes David, who also doesn't work at the factory. <laughs> and he's from visiting Shona. But Shona doesn't want to see him. And apparently Clayton is back on the scene now. And David is scunnered by this. Which doesn't make sense to me because Clayton's in, in prison. In jail, right. He's in prison. How How is he... Is he getting out just to visit his mum? Apparently so. Or is he just calling her? And how did he find out about any of this? Because nobody told him. The doctors did. Why would the doctors do that without know. David's consent and with Clayton being in prison for murdering people? None of this uh, makes no any idea. sense. None of this makes any sense. Nick doesn't think it's a crime. Gail thinks that David should tell Shona the truth about Clayton and David reminds her that Shona no. refuses to see him. Thanks right. for stating the fucking obvious one more time, Mum. Yes. Nick and Gail both think that he has to wait until she will see him. So that was our penultimate storyline. Mm-hmm. So this is now our final storyline of the day. Wow. We we tore right through these. No, we're a little bit behind <laughs> where we normally are at this point. It just point. feels like we've torn right through them. It doesn't feel as bad of a um, Saturday... Oh, excuse me, Windy Pops. Uh, Saturday morning. Hmm. <sighs> I think I got a good night's sleep last night. Yeah, I had a rubbish night's sleep last night. Yeah. I had to lay propped up for half the night because my heartburn made me feel like I was dying. Hmm. Oh well. Bernie's back, y'all. Huzzah! I guess. I think she's gone away. She's punched the microphone. They've scratched the microphone. They've tinkered with her character a little bit. And then, <laughs> creepy as fuck. And then they've brought her back. It seems like they've sorted her. Yes, they have. Sorted those those things that we complained about when she left. She seems to be more consi- consistent. Yes. Anyway. For the time being. I mean, we've seen her in two episodes. And she's probably one of... And we're not going to see very much more of her because she's... Probably one of the ones who's been sent home. Hmm. On Monday, Chesney and Gemma have woken up to an argument about tea bags in the fridge. Gemma gets a text that Baby Choir, something, is on at at the community centre. And then Benny arrives back, just like that. Yes. She's gone, she's done some shopping at Freshco's, and then Gemma explains that they're boycotting Freshco's because of the whole Freshco's thing. Right. It didn't work out in Bristol for Bernie, so she's moved back to Manchester. And Gemma doesn't know why she's here. Everything is fine. And Bernie doesn't buy it. Yeah. Gemma, you called her last week. Right. Did you not remember calling her? Mm-hmm. That's why she's here. She says that she just wanted a chat. Yeah. Well, Bernie, now you can chat. Ben has been tidying and is about to put a wash on, and Gemma suspects that Bernie's housemates have chucked her out, and that's what's going on. Billy and Paul drop in for a visit, and both are surprised to see Bernie, who calls herself a bad penny. Mm-hmm. And along with Paul and B- Billy, Bertie, not Bertie, because Bertie's... Oh, I don't know where Bertie is. At the oh, he's in Scotland. Yes. Bernie is trying to give Gemma a break, and you're fidgeting with your boobs. <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay. This is fidgeting with my oh, boobs. Okay. Gemma is. 
McBurney is trying to give Gemma a break and tells her to go out. Gemma is hesitant though and likes having the company and her family around about why would she want to go out with all these people here. Mm. Mm. On mm. Wednesday, Bernie comes into Gemma's. She's hovering over the quads who are all asleep. Gemma, that is. And she's worried that they're not breathing. Bernie convinces them... Uh, Bernie convinces her that they're all fine and she should be taking this opportunity to have a rest when the babies are resting. But Gemma has other plans with her monster friends and Bernie insists on joining in. And the baby thing... Imogen and Vanessa, I still don't know which one's which. They arrive. Imogen... I believe Imogen is the slightly nicer one of the two. And Vanessa is the one who's just a total bitch. Bernie isn't impressed but puts on a half-decent face. State of that, the monster friends say each other, and Gemma looks embarrassed. They're, like, they're not at baby choir today, though. It's, it's baby senses, where they lay the babies in tinfoil and make crackly noises. With babies sure. laying in tinfoil, tinfoil in, a, in a baby pool. Later, Gemma asks if Imogen and Vanessa want to meet up. They give her poor excuses for today and tomorrow, and once again, Gemma looks awkward and upset. Well... One gives poor excuses. The other one was about ready to invite her over to the other's house. See, I just I just lumped the two of them together. They're one person as far as I'm concerned, and they're both horrid. Right. Well, one is more horrid than the other. Back home, Bernie thinks her pals have poles up their jacksies. They're frauds, she says, winging it just like everyone else. And Bernie worries that Gemma isn't coping. Bernie has brought coffee with sugar, which seems to cheer Gemma up a little bit. Yeah. Then Cathy comes in to see the Bairns as Gemma goes out uh, to look for Bernie, who's disappeared somewhere. And it turns out that uh, Bernie's hanging around uh, the gunnel, thinking that it would be nice if it was all murals and fairy lights. And I think she's got a point there. Yes. The real housewives of Weatherfield would think of it as a hub, she says. <laughs> Gemma thinks this is hilarious until she hears one of the monster friends come out and put their garbage out. The monster friend didn't have a prior engagement after all, and Gemma is crushed. So Bernie bursts into the yard party. How dare you insult my Gemini? What? I thought she lived on the other side of the wall, not like two doors down. Well, it's the other street. It's the parallel street. The street that runs parallel to Coronation Street. So they they have a shared ginnel. So Coronation Street will face this way, and the other street will face that way. But she looks like she's... I'm... She's on the other side. But she doesn't look like she's... She does. Because she goes in the same way that no, Gemma would be going in the same way. Uh-huh. Right, because the camera's pointed down the way and then the car- camera's pointed up the way, so it's actually the opposite. It I'm works. I'm so confused. It works. Yes, anyway. she's got this cheap birdhouse thing that she got from <laughs> whatever whatever craft store is, is in um, the UK, but she's acting like it was so very expensive and, it, and it's important to give your babies some sort of garden stuff to look at or mm. whatever and it's so tatty the monster friends have some other monster friends over and bernie tells them that their kids are ugly and you can get their clothes for 4.99 at b&m back <laughs> home again Gemma gives bernie a hard time she can't see her horrible friends ever again and bernie doesn't think she really liked them anyway and asks what's wrong with her Gemma? why did she call and Gemma insists it was nothing she just wanted a chat she's fine she's not fine later Gemma admits that she needs mates right now and Bernie thinks that she doesn't need snobby mates. She needs a break. Chess comes home and complains about work. He's knackered, he says. Bernie thinks he's having a laugh. And Gemma says her mum was just leaving. 
Later, Ches and Gemma are getting the kids ready. She talks about not being invited to the party and it really hurt her. She's used to having, she used to have loads of mates. Ches isn't exactly bursting at the seams with mates either, he says. Mm. He checks how she is and she looks like she's about to say something, then insists that she's fine. Mm-hmm. She's fine. It's fine. On Friday, Gemma and Chesney are walking the quads. She's desperate to do some work at the kebab shop, but there's no room for the buggy. Ches thinks she should go back to the baby club. Fuck Isabel and Veronica. The weather, the Weatherfield Mean Girls. You mean Imogen and Vanessa? But Chesney gets the names wrong, oh, I think, right. deliberately. At the baby thing, Gemma gets an apology from the Mean Girls. They promise that they haven't been excluding her and invite her to join them for lunch at Speeddal later. Gemma says that she'll think about it. And then they do meet up and the monster friends start plying Gemma with booze. So Gemma's tongue is loosened by the wine and the mean girls are quite enjoying this. When right, because she's talking about Chesney shaving his bits. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how how kind that is because it doesn't get all bristly. Quinn, she's sucking his balls? I'm assuming so. Or or his his penis. She, he gets rid of all the red hair. You know teabagging? You, you know of it. I know of you know teabagging. Of I have I have not been a participant. <laughs> ever. You know how I watch... Uh, teabagging? <laughs> well... <laughs> when, what kind of porn do you watch when there, Ruby? It presents itself. No, when I watch uh, Lemmy, the Scottish uh-huh. comedian Lemmy. Right. He's, he's like a uh, full-time streamer now, so what he does is he plays video games and he uh, right. chats. And he's playing this video yes. game called... Uh, Dead by Daylight, I think. Uh-huh. And it's a kind of killer and four uh, people that are trying to escape. Mm-hmm. So he's playing this on the internet, because uh, I have the internet these days. Right. And it's quite a gory game. You, you right, stop yeah, Because you're playing Michael Myers, or you're playing Ghostface from Scream, and then you put, right. you put them up on hooks. Right. And what you do is, for, when you put them up on the hook, is you crouch and then you uncrouch, and then you crouch, and then you uncrouch, so that your character looks like he's going up and down. And that's called teabagging. Right, right at eye level to the slaughtered person's crotch, kind of. Yeah. So funny. He says... <laughs> he started doing it because this guy was just about to escape, and there was only like, like 10 seconds left. And what the guy wanted him to do was to come close so the guy could start teabagging. I- and then Lemmy like kept his distance and just like continually teabagged for like thirty seconds. And then the game ended and he said, I'm forty five years old. Forty five years old. And I'm sitting there pissing myself laughing at it. Anyway, all this at is forty six years old. Well you got one age right this week. <laughs> so Gemma's tongue is loosened by the wine and she's quite enjoying this. One of the monster I'm friends sorry, fills people. up Gemma's glass. I'm sorry for that whole conversation you <laughs> just other, had to listen to. So other monster friend doesn't look too amused by this. Yeah, you're right. So one of yeah. them, yeah. Bernie meets Paul on the street and explains her concerns about Gemma's well-being. Paul says, Gemma's tough as old boots and she'll be fine. He invites Bernie around for dinner later. That was the, nice. And in the pub, uh, Billy approves if that's what Paul wants. Yes, and then he buys a bottle of wine for their tea. Gemma tells the duo about uh, Chesney's kebab management skills because he's a manager again mm-hmm. so we found that out this week Yes, and then goes off to clean up some sick off her uh, shoulder mm-hmm. when she's gone the monster friends bitch about Gemma and the, the social well, one bitches and the other one tells her to wind her neck in will be on the social will be 
onto her by the end of the month. People like her shouldn't procreate. She's not very bright. But she, but then Gemma comes out, hears them, and gives them a Gemma-style tongue lashing, pointing out their shortcomings when it comes to nappies, having white carpets, and au pairs that'll probably end up fucking their husband. <laughs> if not already. Poor Gemma looks crushed walking home and is worse when she gets a text from Chesney saying that he can't make it for lunch. Gemma walks into the street with a pram and in a genuinely shocking moment nearly gets run down. I gasped at that. I was not expecting that at all. Maria and a uniformed Craig rush to her aid. As, as well as another cop. A really old guy. Yeah, who doesn't know Gemma. And he thinks that Gemma's been drinking and points out that it's, it's an offence to be drunk in charge of infants. They go into Gemma's house for a chat with a very distressed Gemma who insists that she's she's fine. Inside, Gemma admits that she had a drink, but it was her horrible friend who did this, and she promises never to do it again. And that's enough for PC Tinker, and he leaves it at that. Right. When she's gone, Gemma admits they nearly got knocked down. She's so tired, and but she's... she got back up again. And she's too scared uh, to close her eyes. It's a waking nightmare, but she can't help but think of all the things that could go wrong, and she can't tell Chesney because he'll worry, and he's got enough on his plate, working all the hours that God sends. She doesn't deserve to be a mom, she says, and Bernie comforts her. Yeah, but she says nice. that she's worried about Gemma and tries to get her to lie down and feel better. But Gemma says that Bernie's doing her head in. She's fine. She doesn't need to feel better. Okay, then, says Bernie. If you can't talk to me, then you need to talk to Chesney. And she leaves. Then Craig, go for her tea, which we never get to see. <laughs> right. Which makes me sad. And I rather quite like to see that. Craig goes in at the kebab shop to speak with Chesney. Take it you haven't been home yet, says Craig. Just gossiping for no reason. Yeah, Craig, you don't need to tell... This is, it's not your job as a policeman to inform a man about what his wife has been doing. Correct. So after that conversation, Chesney rushes home and gives Gemma a hard time for getting hammered when what he should be doing is giving her a hug and asking if she's okay. Gemma yeah. promises to be... Shut the fuck up, Chesney. Gemma promises to be super mum from now on and Ches goes back to work and then one of the babies starts to cry. Later, Gemma's got them all settled and she's singing You Are My Sunshine to the Sleeping Babies and it's one of the saddest things I've ever seen. (laughs) Then Joseph, who I assume is in the bath, shouts down for help with his homework (laughs) and that's enough to wake the babies and set them off crying. Then Gemma knocks something over, then Chesney phones, then Joseph shouts down to creepily tell Gemma that the babies are crying and overwhelmed and hearing voices reminding her of being a super mum and needing help, she runs outside, leans against the wall and she starts to break down. And that's how we end this week's episodes. That's so devastating. Oofed. I tell you what though. She's doing a great job. All these people who've complained about Gemma being a horrible character, I hope they're changing their minds because... Fantastic. Gemma is doing here and representing what I assume is postnatal depression. She is doing it in such a believable way. And what a great actress. Absolutely. Dolly Rose Campbell is. Absolutely. (laughs) Bravo to her. Superb all week. Absolutely. I just love it a bit. An amazing week. Absolutely. For Gemma. Yes. A sad, sad week, but. Correct. Oh, how she's done it. Such a range of emotion on her face, and then she just looks so lost, and mm-hmm. she looks so tired, and yes. she looks like she's empty, and she's running on fumes, and oh, marvelous! Yes, I, I worry about where this is going. Yes, because I, I don't think it's reached its peak yet. No, I think with four babies, it's kind of, I don't know. It almost seems irresponsible to have a storyline where these babies are in some kind of peril but meh 
<laughs> I imagine they might be. And Ches is so blind to it. Well, of course he is. He's a dude. <laughs> but at least he's a manager of the kebab shop. At right. least he got that back. At least he got that back. <laughs> what was your moment of the week? Uh, Gemma and Bernie and, and Bernie telling her she's a good mom on the, on, on the couch and the things will get better and, and Gemma kind of breaking down and finally breaking down and you know confessing some of her worries and stuff right I think that was my I think, I think it is going to be a Gemma moment yes. it's either between that or the bit at the end but I don't know I think the I, I prefer the one with Bernie because it's a bit more hopeful right. than the one where she just runs out and she's devastated and stuff right Okay, so Gemma being comforted by Bernie and, and admitting to, to her fears and her concerns. That's our... Moment of the week. Moment of the week. The boring moment of the week. Seb being worried about <laughs> about Emma, or Alina, turning down a drink and then buying her own drink and then going to sit with Izzy. I thought the, the whole Michael bit was kind of dull. Yeah, but that at least sort of... Moved a story forward a little bit. Well, so, so does what, what you're proposing. The whole, but it just moves a story forward the whole, in the direction that we don't want it to go. The whole sub bit was just kind of pushing the pedals on a stationary bike in, in a story. It didn't really move it forward. Oh, no. 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 The boy moment of the week is white man speaking in Chinese horribly. <laughs> <laughs> Because that was just awful and dumb. And, well, it, I thought it was quite funny. It didn't really, it didn't lend anything to the story, well, it, except it just, except to make look, it here's the some potential. more here's some more pretentious white people, and this pretentious white person is going to tell you about how his Mandarin is better than his um, Cantonese. But I thought it was in Hong Kong. Yeah, none of this makes any Hong sense. Hong Kong's Cantonese. Right. I think. But apparently his Mandarin is better than his Cantonese. No, well. But he's just, he just wants to prove that he, he knows the difference between Mandarin and Cantonese. He can speak both. Okay, that old fucker is our... <laughs> Boring moment of the week. <laughs> Boring moment of the week. Shall we wrap this one up? Yes, please. Uh, these episodes are going to be released when we can going forward. I think... Whether it being Monday and Wednesday next week, this might be out Thursday, or we might just stick to Friday, I don't know, or Saturday, or whatever. I mean, it's not like we're not going to have a lot of time on our hands. <laughs> right. We'll try and keep our, tweet, our, our Twitter, our Twitter feed updated with our, right. our plans. It'll probably that, be sometime so. Friday that we'll drop. I would imagine Because so. we still have to work on Friday. From home. Right. But we've, got, we could, we've arguably got Thursday night to record this, if there's no more Corey that week. And then we can release it earlier on Friday. I don't know. We'll, we'll work we'll something We'll figure out. it out. So, if you've ever taken a woman out for dinner and asked her how much, maybe have a quiet word with yourself <laughs> and then drop us a line to let us know how many times she needs you in the notes. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com on email, which is also how you can leave a voicemail on Skype or a couple of nuggets in our virtual tip jar on PayPal. We are at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And please consider leaving us a rating and review on the iTunes or however you listen to us. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. Look after yourselves, folks. We will be back next Wash week. Wash your hands. With more Talk of the Street. Don't buy too much toilet paper. <laughs> or Lou Roll. <laughs> Lou Roll. 
I'm just fading you out. <laughs> Lou Roll ASMR. Bye. Bye, folks. <laughs>